Well, welcome to the Building Peace Initiative at youwantapieceofmeonline.com. This is John Van Bladel. Uh, today's podcast is The Importance of Empathy, and there are going to be several podcasts because empathy is uh, a crucial topic in building a more just and peaceful world. And once again, every so often, I'll be inviting the Bell of Mindfulness to slow me down a bit and let you consider what I've just said. And when you hear it, just take three normal breaths in and out. And we'll do a, we'll do a little practice right now. I'll invite the bell, and we'll breathe together. So when um, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking at these two cats that I have and the cats are within a pretty large apartment they're within like a six square foot area and I keep thinking they got used to me over um, COVID when I worked from home doing remote teaching and um, they have a little bit of separation anxiety sometimes so in the morning when I'm at my desk they come right up and they sit here um, you know I, I like dogs too but I just don't have um, the type of schedule I have a lot of responsibilities so I wouldn't be around enough to really take a dog out and have them go to the bathroom and walk them uh, and see that's an example of empathy um, if I got one it would be more about me than about the the dog in this case because uh, I wouldn't not be able to care for them properly from my point of view now it's interesting how some of us have more empathy for animals than people and we'll touch on that in upcoming podcasts but for the next few weeks we're going to be addressing empathy as it's central to building peace a more peaceful and just world um, and it's an area that can be tough to deal with. Uh, many of us have lost contact with the natural empathy that exists in us. We've become very judgmental of ourselves, and that leaves us, leads us to being judgmental of others. Uh, in essence, we've lost contact with the joy of feeling genuinely connected with people. I know if I'm having a bad day where I feel like everybody's in my way or I'm judgmental, it's usually just projective stuff. I'm not feeling particularly good about myself that day. Um, but... A decline in empathy, which has been pretty significant over the last 20 or so years, and I'll talk about some of that research next time, uh, it can happen for many reasons. Uh, but physical and emotional fatigue are common, especially with all that's been going on over the last two plus years of this pandemic. Uh, our routines have been disrupted, we've got political and economic turmoil, and if we add in media saturation, which often is full of negativity, it can be overwhelming especially if you have high levels of empathy. And people who sometimes have been described as empaths can be particularly susceptible to this. Uh, I've heard that compassion, and we'll talk about the difference sometime in the future in empathy, is a bottomless well, but uh, not if you don't have the right type of care. You have to be around people who also practice it, and you have to take a break every now and then. You can end up with empathy fatigue, and this is very common in people who care for others. Um, they provide mental health or physical care. I just can't, I can't imagine, because I can apply some empathy, what it's like to uh, be a, a health care provider or a mental health care provider in, in this world, particularly the ones who um, really had to watch the COVID disaster. Uh, to be in contact with so much suffering and so much regret 
um, can really drain you. Uh, so we start to numb ourselves and we do this in order to protect our sanity. Uh, there's an alternative we can connect with other people but some of you have may have experienced this sort of numbing um, and you've also experienced the kind of day that if you hear one more piece of bad news you're gonna lose your mind. I remember and I'm not embedded in the suffering as deeply as some of the people I mentioned but I remember showing up at a place and I just wanted a cold peach iced tea and it wasn't there and I didn't know whether to be mad or cry it was just one more just one thing go right today um, and then of course everyone looked hostile to me uh, after I after that occurred because it was a basic need just one little need on top of a day full of needs that didn't get met that sort of cracked me at that moment and you really do end up feeling emotionally and physically exhausted and um, I'll address what we can do about that in another podcast I'm gonna post a, a topic um, let's see an article about empathy fatigue uh, on the website today so now we're going to focus on the average person, like me, who has empathy, but also sometimes selective. Um, that's one of our challenges, to be equally empathic with people, but it doesn't always work that way, because we all have our biases, both implicit and explicit. For instance, sometimes I can get frustrated, and my thoughts go to, it seems like we live in a world full of influencers and others who I have termed all about me's. Now that's going to be my memoirs, if I ever write them, all about me, it'll be a parody on narcissism. Just people who need to be the center of everything. Now, if you follow that statement, for people who are familiar with Marshall Rosenberg's work, this type of thinking is a block to communication and connection. Diagnosing or labeling uh, people is a major one. and I've just labeled people selfish and or narcissistic. And this stops me from having empathy and being able to engage with them. And bear in mind, there are some people you may not want to engage with. Uh, as an example, people who have caused you harm and are committed to continuing to do so. And as you're trying out new approaches to communicating with people, remember to try it with those who are available to hear you. You may even want to openly tell them about the changes you're making and find a partner or two to practice with. Uh, take a little bit of a bell here. Well, you talk about mindfulness, I have, um, it's Tuesday and my week is all the way, my mind is all the way to Friday or whether I have to keep coming to pull myself back to the present in this, which is why mindfulness is there. Uh, so let's address the opposite of all about me, which is empathy and compassion. Now compassion, the short version, is the desire to relieve the suffering of others. But we're going to start with empathy, <clears throat> excuse me which is very important in this equation. Now what's empathy? Well, it's feeling the pain of another. It's an intellectual and emotional identification with what another, what another is experiencing. And in essence, you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Uh, you're listening in a way so that the other person feels you are fully present with them on an intellectual, emotional, and even a spiritual level. Now, by spiritual, I mean in a way that a person feels connected to you. And you may have had those moments sitting by the moonlight, by a lake, sitting with someone, and you just feel so close to them. 
Um, you've had this experience before where you don't feel defensive but invested in the conversation. You're connected to something outside of yourself, within yourself, and bigger than yourself. And it's one of those conversations that you may be having where it feels like you've been talking for 15 minutes but an hour's went by or more. It's that sense of being totally accepted and understood. And it offers us a lot of relief. It's a very, very peaceful feeling. Now, I remember something I read by Thich Nhat Hanh that I keep present when I'm getting irritated with someone or myself and thinking about responding in a way that will inhibit, inhibit the flow of communication between us. When another person makes you suffer, it's because he suffers deeply within himself, and his suffering is spilling over. He doesn't need punishment. He needs help. That's the message he is sending. Now, this changes our understanding of the person. We no longer see them as an enemy, but someone who is suffering, and has not yet learned to express themselves in a way that will relieve their suffering. And we can begin by listening in a way that helps them express themselves, rather than falling back into our old ways of communicating. So we have to change our way of listening to assist them. Now, I sometimes think about the dynamics of conversations that go badly, uh, the, the habits we've developed in relationships, let's say, that keep us different from e- or distance from each other. Uh, one example is people who have to get the last word in. Now, I'm not, the last, I'm not a last word in person. That's not one of the particular issues I have. But I've seen this regularly. Sometimes when a dispute seems to be settled down, at least settled down at least to where the tension is bearable, but the situation is not resolved, one person will have to say one more thing just to blow it up. Now, this can be a vexing as the pattern of unresolved arguments is going to continue. Now, here's a different take on it. A more productive response besides when you get the last word in, I think, here we go again, would be to ask the other person if they feel as though they're being heard. Because from my perspective, if you're trying to get the last word in, there's something going on. So I might say, do you feel as though you're being heard? So if we take a page from nonviolent communication, people, once again, often suffer because they have needs that are not getting met. So as Marshall Rosenberg has noted, every criticism, judgment, diagnosis, and expression of anger is the tragic expression of an unmet need. So if we really focus a bit more on what is the need of that person and what is my need, um, we can start to get somewhere. But to get a person to express their needs, we're going to have to express empathy and be patient both with ourselves and with them. And this may be new to us, and we may be anxious about what might happen if we open ourselves up and appear vulnerable. We can also be anxious about what we might hear from another person. You've probably had those conversations where you said, well, tell me what you're thinking, and then you've heard something that was unpleasant, and you got mad. So in essence, you asked for the truth, you got it, and then you were upset. So if we stick with the theme um, from nonviolent communication, what I want in my life is compassion, a flow between myself and others based on a mutual giving from the heart. And that's Marshall Rosenberg. So being seen as genuine and sincerely interested in the other person and our own happiness is a powerful force in changing our relationships with each other. So that's a lot to take in. So let's take a little 
breathing spell. Now, this isn't as easy as it may sound, or sometimes it is. It's just the little changes like that that make a difference because they interrupt the normal pattern of communication that you've established. Uh, we can also use the compassionate communication line guidelines as a foundation uh, to create a more free, honest flow of communication before us or between us. And we can remember that we got let's take four of them: compassion as the basis for our actions. I tell myself repeatedly, try not to say anything that makes it worse. Um, we're going to look to reduce the suffering of the other person and ourselves. Simply to listen deeply with the express intent of understanding others, that has a powerful effect on people. And to listen without judgment, that can be hard because sometimes we can get defensive. Um, and to speak kindly and respectfully in a manner that fosters dialogue. Words are important. Uh, the language we, language we use is very, very, very important. And sometimes just a, a single word that's judgmental uh, can create, can cause a person to shut down a bit. So whatever we do, we want to try and open up communication between us. Now, in situations where it's getting a bit heated, sometimes it's best to just stop the conversation for a while and maybe do some walking meditation or something else to calm down. And this can be particularly hard, and sometimes it can be experienced as rejection or some form of punishment. Uh, many of us have gotten a cold shoulder before, uh, which is a form of rejection, a powerful one, particularly if you were a kid. If you remember those times where you'd ask your parent, you wanted reassurance, you'd say, is anything wrong? No, nothing's wrong. Well, yeah, well, there is something wrong. And then you'd get the cold shoulder for quite some time until you learn that you can never speak up about that topic again. So these are the type of knots that we have to untie with each other. There's really a pressure sometimes to get something resolved right now because it's really hard to sit with the tension of unresolved conflict um, for many of us. So we have experienced, or many of us have experienced, how difficult it is to sit quietly with another person when we or they are full of anger or hurt. We just want it to stop. But if we can say something to the other person like, I know you want to resolve this right now, but I'm too full of emotion to continue talking. Can I have some time to think this over? Otherwise, I'm afraid I'm going to fall back into old habits and the argument is just going to get worse. So could we take some time to maybe settle down and come back to this in like an hour? That could work, but you have to agree, get the other person to agree with this and agree that you don't want to continue the pattern of communications that distance you from each other. Now, another problem that comes up if we're tired mentally or physically, we're just not in a good space, it's wise to choose another time to talk about whatever issue there is. Sometimes we're not at our best, and sometimes it's very hard to listen when we are, too. Um, but that, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in the next podcast. So from my perspective, empathy is the antidote to cruelty and unnecessary suffering. Now, what we do is we start to understand that by helping others, we're helping ourselves. Uh, and that is part of the understanding of interdependence. And empathy, I do believe it can be taught. And we can make it a 
positive value to strive for in our culture if we choose to. It can be viewed as a standard for behavior, but it takes a good deal of time and energy to understand it and use it effectively. Once again, going back to the golden rule, it's in all cultures. It's there, how we treat each other. Treat others the way you want to be treated. All right, so that's it for today. We'll continue to talk about empathy next time. In the meantime, let's give ourselves and some others some peace of mind while we're practicing empathy.